So family, it is Palm Sunday, uh, and this is the week before Easter, and so we're going to be remembering what Jesus did. We're going to be remembering the fact that he came into Jerusalem, and we're going to actually look at this moment. Um, we're going to look at this moment in the book of Matthew, chapters, uh, chapter 21, verses uh, 8 through 11. Matthew 21, verses 8 through 11. It says this, Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city stirred, was stirred up and, and saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that we would in this moment, on Palm Sunday, take a moment to pause and consider the question, who is Christ? And as we consider that question, I pray that Jesus, you would open our hearts, you would illuminate our minds to see you not just as a, 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 a wise prophet speaking on behalf of God, not just as a, a governmental leader or a, um, a ruler who, who has designs for the world, but as God, as divine, and as the ultimate Lord of lords, King of kings, ruler of rulers, and the word of God. Lord, I pray that as we consider who is Christ, we would not miss the mark but we would see you rightly as who you are. I pray this in in your name, your glorious, awesome name, Jesus. Amen. So family, imagine the situation with me. Um, Jesus has been ministering. He's been doing a lot of amazing things. He's been serving the community. He's been performing miracles and healing people. And he is on his way from Jericho, heading toward Jerusalem. Now this is... This is, uh, it's, a, it's one of those situations where there's one perspective, the perspective of the crowd, and then there's the perspective of Jesus and those who would know, uh, really us, because we know what's going to happen. Now for the crowd, we see that they're excited, they're hyped up, and, and they're, th- he's walking in to uh, Jerusalem. And, and as we do this, I want us to, to think about the way that people in this story answer the question, who is Christ? How are they answering the question, and how do you and I answer this question, who is Christ? You see, in in verses really six and following, Jesus is on what's considered a victory parade. You know, it's it's called this this triumphal entry, but it's this, this victory parade. Everyone is responding in the way that they would respond when a victorious king would come into the city. They're they're laying down their cloaks, it says. Uh, And those that don't, they're cutting down branches and laying them down because they don't want Jesus to have to walk or or, or ride on on the ground directly. He is a a king worthy of honor. And this is a good response, right? They are ready to receive him as king. And in this moment, it's worth asking ourselves, okay, what have we laid down in our own lives? What have we submitted in our own lives to receive Jesus? What have we given him access to? They saw him as a mighty warrior king, and they were looking for a warrior king. You see, 
the Jewish people were, were under the, the uh, oppression and, and rule of the Roman Empire. And so they were hoping for this, this promised, it's called a Messiah in the Old Testament. This, this chosen one, this anointed one. He, he was an individual who was promised to be a king. He was promised to be like King David. He was promised to, to bring um, restoration to, to Israel as a nation. And so they were looking and, and seeing Jesus as maybe he's this king. But note that their idea of, of his kingship, their idea of his kingdom might have been a little bit to the left of, of, what, of what God's plan was. The crowd was, was looking and they had made preparation for him. Right? They had laid down their cloaks. They had laid down the, the branches and they had been making preparation for him. The crowd was praising him. If we look at verse 9, it says this, and the crowds, and the crowds that were, went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This word Hosanna uh, was, was a word that, that originally meant save us, save us, but, but it became this, this, uh, this call, this, this mark of praise. And so they're, they're both saying, save us, Lord, and, and they're calling out praise to Jesus. And so we see that they are, they are preparing the, themselves, and they have they've brought their praise to him. And this is, again, a good thing, but, but remember, they're seeing him as, as this warrior king, but Jesus is coming in, and, and maybe there's a different perspective that he's bringing to this situation. So we see that that Jesus comes and, and they're worshiping him. And now it goes on. It goes on and, and, and they give him praise and, and then they, they declare him as, as this prophet. If you look at verses 10 and 11 with me, it says this. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up. There was, there was tumultuous conversation. There was, there was a bit of chaos. It was It was wild. And, and the people in Jerusalem, the people that were, that were, were receiving this crowd, were saying, who, who is this guy? And it wasn't, it wasn't as though they didn't know who Jesus was. They, they knew who he was. They'd heard his ministry. They'd seen him. But there was a question of, okay, what's the significance of this guy that these people are, are getting crazy, really? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth, Nazareth of Galilee. They understood him to be king. This is our king. This is our prophet. And the people in Jerusalem were skeptical. They weren't sure of what was going on. They all saw the picture. They saw what was happening, but they missed the point. See, even though they had prepared a place for them, even though they had been praising him, even though they had, they had seen him, they, they missed the point. They all seemed to see Jesus as something not quite what he was. It was just an inch off of who he was. You see, they're, they're, the problem was when, when we were asking the question, who is Christ, their, their answer was inadequate. Their, their answer was, he's our warrior king. You see, the primary problem for these individuals, for the crowd that was following him, was this Roman oppression the primary concern was save us from these situations, save us from this circumstance, save us from these other things. They had created and established an idea of the Messiah 
that, that wasn't going to, to end up being what Jesus was. And that's why a week later at, at the crucifixion, many of the people who were celebrating Jesus here are now condemning him. Their understanding of the problem was that they were oppressed and their, their solution was they wanted a warrior king to overthrow their rulership. Family, when we misunderstand the core problem, we will fail to appreciate the real solution. Have you, have you seen Jesus not as a, a solution to the problems of the world, the problems out there, the problems around you, but have you seen him as the one to solve the ultimate problem that each of us has intrinsic to us, the problems of sin and, and, and the judgment that, that results? Jesus came to do many things, and certainly he came to, to bring uh, healing and justice and, and, and relieve the oppressed, but that begins with the fact that he came to save us of our sin. He enters Jerusalem not on a war horse. We see that Jesus comes in not as this mighty ruler, but he comes on a, on a humble donkey. And family, even here's the irony, and, and we're expected to know some of this because Matthew mentions this several times, but before uh, this moment, this, this triumphal entry, Jesus has already foretold that he's going to be crucified three times. Not that he's going to be crucified three times, but he's foretold it three times. He mentions it in, in chapter 16 and chapter 17, and even just before this moment in chapter 20, he says, uh, and as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 aside, and on the way he said to them, see, we are going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. And, and, and the, the disciples kind of smile and nod, but they don't really get it. And, and they move forward with the crowd and there's this incomplete understanding of the significance of what Jesus was doing. See, the truth is that, that Jesus is the Son of God. Peter had, had recognized this, and if we looked at chapter 16, Jesus asks a similar question of, of who is Christ, and he says this in verse 13. Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked the disciples, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they said to him, some say, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, some say Jeremiah and, and one of the prophets. He said that, and then Jesus says to them, but, but who do you say that I am? That, that's the question that we want to answer today. Family, who do you say that Jesus is? Listen to how Simon Peter responds. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, right? That's the same idea as the Messiah, he, he believed that he was the son of David. But here's where things are different. The son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Peter had a revelation of the reality that Jesus was not just a, a, a strong human ruler. He was not just an amazing king. He was not to be a warrior king in the sense that they had expected. He was not even just a prophet. Although he did performed the, the work of a prophet. He wasn't fulfilling the promise that he, would be, he was the prophet who came after Moses, one who would be like him, one who would be like Moses. So certainly he was a prophet, but he wasn't just a prophet. He is a king, but he's not just a king. He's not just preaching and speaking the word of God. He is the word of God. 
He's not just enacting the, the, the rulership and authority of God in heaven. He is God on earth to be Lord of Lords, King of Kings. They didn't quite understand it. Family, the, the crowd was inches, inches from the full truth. They were worshiping and they were saying, you know, Hosanna in the highest. Thank you, God, for this man. Thank you, God, for this, this ruler. Thank you, God, for your healing uh, of, of our oppression. And certainly these were things that God was going to address, but they were secondary things. And family, if we, if we take what is secondary and we make it primary, if we take our, our circumstances and saying, and saying God, uh, all I need for you to do is to fix the, these problems, we don't appreciate God for who he is. See, Peter understood that Jesus was Lord and that not only did, did Peter need for God to, to address his circumstances, but he needed for God to address his own heart. He needed for God to address himself and he needed himself to submit all of his life to the authority of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the chosen one, the son of God, who rules the hearts of his people. Have you made a place for Jesus as, as this mighty warrior who's going to fix all your problems? Or have you seen him as the Lord of everything, including the things that maybe you don't want to bring to him? Are there things in your life, family, that you, you've said, okay, God, you can fix these issues, you can fix my finances, you can fix my relationships, you can protect me from this, this uh, pandemic, but, but don't address my anger. Don't know. You can't touch my bitterness because I'm still the Lord of that thing. You are a Lord of these external issues, but, but internally who I am, what I do, my volition, you can't touch that. Jesus came not only to address these other issues, but to become uh, and, and be the, the salvation for our souls. Have you heard his words as a wise prophet or as the word of God? When you look to Jesus and you consider what he says, do you consider them to be helpful, thoughtful things or do you consider them to be carrying the authority of God? Carrying the authority of God because he embodies the word of God. Jesus is more than a great warrior king or a, or a wise prophet. He certainly is not less than those things, but he is more. And on Palm Sunday, the week before Passover, the week before Easter, I want to encourage you to prepare a place for him. But don't just prepare a place for him to fix the problems of your external world. world. Prepare a place in your own heart. Receive him as Lord, not only of, of the nations, not only of your external circumstances, but the Lord of your heart. Receive him not only as one who speaks to the issues of your, of your life, but the one who speaks to the issues of your own heart and soul and demands that you respond in obedience. Have you prepared a place for him? When you praise him, do you praise him as, as a mighty king worthy of respect or do you pray, praise him as creator of all things, Lord of lords, the one keeping and sustaining everything? Jesus is more than a great warrior or a wise prophet. He is the son of God. He's not just a human who did many great things, but he's also God and Lord. Family, we, we get the opportunity to come together and we are celebrating. But, but it's very easy to be an inch off and miles away. You can celebrate Jesus, but celebrate him for who he is. He's not just a warrior king. He's not just a, a problem solver, but he's God and he has come and he, he invites you into his kingdom, into his rulership, 
And, and that begins by not submitting your problems, not submitting your concerns, but submitting your own heart to him. Would you do that with me? Let's pray. Jesus, we come to you and prepare our hearts. Even those of us who have walked with you for a long time, we come and we prepare our souls. We remind ourselves that you are Lord of Lords, King of Kings, that your salvation looks different than what we would expect, that your kingship looks different than we would expect, that it, it, it follows a, a humble path, that your glory, it, it, it's expressed in your sacrifice. God, we thank you, and we pray that you would help us to, to fully appreciate who you are. When people say, who is Christ, that we would be, be fully accurate, we would be spot on, we would not be an inch off and a mile away, but we would know this is my God, this is my King. This is my Lord. And that we would not be cynical or, or skeptical like those in Jerusalem were. Lord, open our eyes, open our hearts to see and appreciate who you are. If you've never trusted in Jesus, if you've, if you've maybe been an inch off, you've considered him to be a wise counselor, you know, one of many amazing religious leaders, today I invite you to, to shift your focus, to change your perspective, to see him not like the crowd saw him, but to see him as he was, a, a soon to be a suffering servant who would, would die in our place for our sins, who would swallow the wrath of God on behalf of all who would put their faith and trust in him. You and I, we need a savior, not just from our world and the situations of our world, but we need a savior who addresses our most intrinsic problems, the sin in our lives. We need a God who can, who can reach down to the depth of our soul and transform and change us. And if that's you, I would encourage you to pray in this moment, God, I turn my life over to you. I trust in Jesus, not only as a, a great religious leader or a, a wise teacher, but as God and Lord. And as God and Lord, I, I bow my knee before him. I submit my life. I turn away from everything I know to be disobedience to you, God, and I turn to you. Lord, I trust in you today. Give me a new life. Help me to walk out this life in the same way that Peter did, trusting that, that you are the Messiah, the Son of God. If that's you, please let us know. You can, you can mention it to our hosts in the chat. Uh, you can send us an email at sterling at gracecove.org, but don't let the day go without letting us know so that we can help walk this out with you. I know that we're not close physically, but we can still connect. We can still talk over Zoom. We can talk and see what it looks like. Now that you believe this, what does it mean for you to walk out this faith? What does that mean for you? Family, thank you for this opportunity to remember Christ with me. Now, before we, we close, as we're considering who Jesus is, we want to recognize and remember that he is a gracious, sacrificial, loving God. And so over the next few weeks, starting today, we're going to begin uh, collecting a, a benevolence offering. And what that's going to look like is that we're going to ask you to give again. And, and this is not going towards our church. This is going towards every effort that we're making to support our community, to support your community. This is going to be a fund that allows us to, to buy supplies, to, to buy food, to, to help pay for all the expenses of, of, of getting these things together and getting what people need to them. 
So I want to invite you to take a moment and consider the fact that, that Jesus shows his love in this way. It says in this verse that almost everyone knows, John three sixteen, for God so loves the world. And, and the way it says that there is God loves the world in this way. In this way, he loves the world that he gave his only son. For God, love is expressed in sacrificial giving. And you and I are called to no less than the same kind of sacrificial giving. We're all in a moment where we're looking at our finances and considering, okay, how do I make all this work? But let me encourage you, whatever you're able to give, whatever is sacrificial for you, please consider giving it. If you want to give in the form of a credit you can do, or a debit, you can do that by, by pressing the give button or going to gracecove.org and, and selecting the, the menu and then clicking give. Alternatively, on, if you want to give in the form of a check, you can make it out to Grace Covenant Church and write Sterling in the memo and then you can send it to our office in the office location it's on the, the top of the screen or you can go to gracecup.org and find the address there but, but don't let this moment go without giving something because God works through our own grace and benevolence we see uh, just as a small anecdote we see that in the church of Philippi they were giving even out of their own poverty and there was a unique grace that came to them as a result this is not me spinning this. This is me inviting you into a unique opportunity in this unique time to do something where you experience the grace of God in his provision in your life as you provide for those in someone else's life. So let me pray. Father God, I pray that you would bless this offering. I pray that you would allow us to give with faith. I pray that you would allow us to give with confidence, to do so sacrificially, to ask ourselves What can we give up this week so that we might give? Lord, I pray that you'd bless us and bless this offering. Allow us to be hands and feet of love for our community. Help us to love our neighbors well. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, family, it is now time almost to dismiss. So this is our benediction, our blessing spoken over you. And so I want to encourage you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face to you and give you peace. You're amazing. We love you. See you next week.